Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Jeff. Yeah. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, so both you and I have some uh, some exciting some, something exciting going on. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, as of today, I'm fully vaccinated and everything. Yep. I will be. I will be fully. I am one day behind you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Tomorrow I will be two weeks from my my second shot. So awesome. It's neat at my work uh, because I work in a fairly large place with a lot of employees. We whenever we clock in we have, there's like a little thing we have to fill out we either have to fill out a sheet or we have to bring it up on our phone and like fill out a questionnaire mm-hmm. and uh it used to just be you'd answer you know do you have any symptoms have you been around anybody with any symptoms and so on and then you would just get like a big green check mark on your phone when if assuming you uh answered you know no to right. everything. yeah and i noticed that a, a few weeks ago they started doing a different thing where before that it would have the questions, are you fully vaccinated? If you say no, are you partially vaccinated? And I finally got to the point where I can say yes to the first question. And now instead of getting, I don't get all of the regular questions. Instead, I just get one question and that's, do you have any symptoms? And then instead of a big green uh, check mark, I get like, it's sort of like a check mark that's made out of like a bandage or something. Uh, okay. It's weird. But anyway, so I get a different thing now. Sure. And I, it's a different process now. So like it's it's definitely, a, a, it's changed. Yeah, there's a somewhat tan, tangible difference. <laughs> right. Basically, this whole time, I've been the only person at my work that has worn a mask the entire oh, wow. time. Like, yeah. there people are wearing masks at work. They're not really good at doing it all the time. And they're definitely not, like, you know, like most of them are putting on a mask some of the time. Sure. A few of them barely ever put on a mask and you probably and like, see a lot of noses. Yeah. And then like a hand and then like one or two of them wear the masks fairly regularly, but like still like, will, I'll still see them running through the hallways without one, which is like, whatever. Sure. I, it, and it's been, it's been real stress. It's been a real stressful year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at my work, just cause like we have had several outbreak or a set, well, several people getting infected and like yeah. my work isn't that big. Like, it's not like a ton of people where like, okay, the chances are you're going to have one or two people every now and again get who are going to have it. Sure. This was like, at, we, we had like, you know, at most like a dozen people. We've had like three or four different, uh, different, you know, cases go through. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been real like aggravating dealing with them. But now that I am fully vaccinated and I feel confident and then I've, you know, I feel confident about you know, the science of the vaccine and, and then it's, that it's working really well. I'm like, I'm finally going to be feel better. Like I'm probably still going to be wearing the mask at work one because yeah. it's our works policy, which again sure, is like sure. really frustrating to have it be the work in not only is it like recommended by the CDC and just the right thing to do. And it's, and it's our works policy. Like people just were still not wearing them all the time at work. And it was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll just be the only one following the yeah. rules. That's fine. So I'll probably still be wearing the mask. Okay. You know, for the most part at work, but now I'm not, you know, but I'm, but I'm now I'm going to actually go outside of my office, <laughs> you know, like I'm <laughs> sure, going to be able to sure. like 
walk around my work and not feel like I have to be secluded because I don't know, you know, I, I don't know where everybody else has been. Yeah. So like, you know, I'll be, I'll be more, more active. And I think that's going to put me in a better mood generally. Oh, cool. Yeah. At the very least, if it'll give you peace of mind. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I might actually go shopping this weekend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been going shopping this whole time. I don't, I don't well, know. right. I, but I just, you know, I'm, I've, or, I've all, before this even was a blip on the radar, I've always yeah. been very like, I've been on like the hypochondriac kind of. Sure. Sure. I, I get pretty paranoid. I'm, I, I wouldn't call myself a germaphobe, but I'm very like, just, you know, I, I get, I get nervous when it comes to health, to health things. Sure. But yeah, even even before I've been like nervous about that. So like when it when it came to like this virus, I was like, all right, well, I'm just never going to go outside. It's all right. I didn't like it out there anyway. <laughs> sure. So anyway. All right. Uh, you want to go ahead and jump into this episode, Jeff? Yeah. Cool. So, Jeff, I want you to imagine that you're going along through a dungeon and not just that this time you're actually going through a dungeon with a companion of yours. Oh, okay. let's call this companion Gabe. <laughs> so so uh-huh. you and Gabe, you're you're going along through this this dungeon. You hear that there's some, you know, lost treasure somewhere in this dungeon or whatever. Uh-huh. And you're going along through a room and you notice you notice like a split second after it would have been relevant, you notice that there's like the floor is is cracked in one part of the room. Oh no. And you realize this just as you see Gabe steps over and you cry out no, and then the uh, <laughs> the floor actually breaks under him, and Gabe falls into the darkness below. Oh no, Gabe! However, a moment later, you hear like a boing sound, <laughs> and then next thing you know, Gabe flies up out of the pit, looks around, you know, midair, looks around confused, and then falls again. <laughs> oh and no! And then you hear. Boing, and, <laughs> and next thing you know, he's right there again. Oh, okay. And then you hear him, and he goes, uh, "Hey, Jeff, <laughs> I can see something down here. What? What is it, Gabe? I think it's the <laughs> dragons. <laughs> Hang on, horde," he says. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jason, <laughs> that was stupid. This magic item was uh, submitted by Black Magus twenty six fifty one on Discord, and the item is the Bounce Back Bands by Brasiliensis. Oh, while worn, these rubber bands around the wrists give some lift to your enemies. Uh-huh. On a successful hit, the target makes a strength save. So I guess I'm picturing these sort of like gauntlets. Um, they take up the gauntlet slot. Yeah. If such a thing still exists in 5th edition. Right. Yeah. I think there's um, a wrist slot. Yeah. On a successful hit, the target makes a strength save DC equal to your attack roll. And the limit is once per round. If they meet the DC, the attack resolves normally. So you you swing your sword or you punch or whatever the heck you're doing. If they... If they make a strength save equal to your attack roll, you, it's just a normal attack. Nothing special happens. If they fail, the target is bounced back 10 feet and falls prone. If they fail by 5, they are bounced back 15 feet with an additional 5 feet for each 5 
points, I guess, that they are lo- that they fail the save by. Nice. So that you can use them in combat to knock someone back while you're attacking. Also, when you take fall damage, you can use the bands to bounce yourself. <laughs> you make a strength check, and for every five points, so like every, if you get a five, 10, 15, 20, etc., you reduce the fall damage by 10 feet. So if you roll a five, reduce it by 10 feet, roll a 10, reduce it by 20 feet, 30 feet on a 15, and so on. So it's got an attack ability, and it's got a, you know, a utility ability. This is a super cool item. Like this is this is <laughs> this is absolutely an item I would love to have on any on like most of my characters. Sure. Um I like one of my favorite characters was it was our it was like our epic level one shot adventure or whatever that we did. Yeah. Uh Lich Queen's a beloved. Right. I play and like because we were only three people, or it was like only like three or four of us, but it was like an epic level thing, like Jay was like, all right, each one of you is getting a basically a plus one level modifier ability or something. Or um uh there was like the the race some races had like the yeah, plus the one level, level adjustments. adjustments. That's what it yeah. is. Level adjustments. So like I was a I was a Warforged with powerful build. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which was just ridiculous. I loved it. Um I played a Warforged with powerful build, and I did like a Warforged juggernaut fighter thing or whatever and like i took so many feats and but mm-hmm. like it was all built towards i had a hammer and i was gonna hit i was gonna hit the heck out of something with a hammer and make it go flying <laughs> yeah like and i was just, i just really wanted like there was the knockback feat which was like which came out of the races of stone which was where um goliaths and powerful build originated in sure and so there was the knockback feat which was basically you bull rush but as part of a a weapon attack Okay. So the idea is like you make a weapon attack and then you make a bull rush attempt with that weapon attack. And instead of moving with the, you know, instead of moving with the target, the target just moves, <laughs> you know, they just yeah. go. Yeah. And like, there's rules for like, if they hit a wall and they take damage and stuff like that. And like, I think I remember hitting, cause I get, I, I made sure to give my weapon as like as many things on as possible to make sure that like I was going to hit because I just like I was gonna have one attack so I wanted to make sure I hit so I made sure that my weapon had like ghost touch and I remember hitting a ghost into a wall and going oh <laughs> right it just flew Oops. through the wall and now I just don't know where this ghost is anymore <laughs> like, yeah now you gotta hit it into another ghost right exactly um I think at the time yeah, we were playing with um Meg, Meg was playing with us and I think she was playing oh, a shapeshifter okay. yeah um she play- I was gonna say, like you said, it was four people, but there were only ever three of three players. But no, Meg was with us. Yeah, yeah, she was a she was a shapeshifter or some kind, of, like a it was like the war shaper. No, it was like a shape changer. I don't know, master of many forms. That's probably it. Yeah. Um, she turned into a bone ooze. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so my goal was to be knocking people into her as, <laughs> sure, as she was sure. an ooze. But anyway, anything that gives like a knockback to an attack, I I, I love that. Like I yeah. love, yeah, I love I love the idea of just like being a like a big powerful melee fighter who can just like punch a guy and make him go flying. You know, like yeah. it's it's so much fun. And then like the added benefit of being able to lower your fall damage is like super like like that's never not that's never not going to be useful. <laughs> sure, like I feel like depending on the campaign, sometimes it might not come up you know very often but when it does when it comes up it's going to be important well and i think like even in the campaigns where it's not going to come up as much you're if you have that 
if you have that safety net, you're going to use yeah. it. Like <laughs> sure, I'm going to sure. be jumping off of everything I can possibly <laughs> climb on, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to give myself points in climbing or athletics or whatever, so yeah. I can climb and yeah. jump <laughs> because I can just bounce. <laughs> sure. So I love, I love this item. This is right up my alley. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a simple item. It's also kind of a silly item, but it definitely has, has a utility. It definitely has a use. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I like um, the idea that that whenever it activates in any way, it goes boing. <laughs> sure, sure. There is a small tangent. Um, you know the choose your own adventure books. Yeah, there was one from uh, Goosebumps that was, I think it was like a day at Horrorland or something like that. Okay. And you're so the the main character is in like a carnival, like a creepy carnival, and at some point, I don't remember the, c- the circumstances that led to it, but at some point you can fall into a room where like you're falling and like you land on a giant trampoline and then you go flying back up and then you fall back down and you hit the trampoline again. But the problem is every time you hit the trampoline, you end up going higher than you did last time. Oh no. And so the, that ending of the, of the, you know, that death, I guess is basically you for until you die of starvation, I guess you are just <laughs> bouncing up and down up and down, getting higher and higher and higher every time until you die. <laughs> to, yeah, until you, to you so, leave atmosphere. <laughs> so a cursed version of this, maybe. Uh-huh, you, know. you just keep bouncing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun item. It does something that I think is definitely <laughs> you, useful in the game. And you have to make strength checks. Like you have to make strength checks to grab onto the ground, <laughs> so <laughs> okay, that you don't okay. bounce again. Yeah. Yeah. You have to gra- you have to make a grapple check against the earth, or an athletics check to like flap your arms to change direction. Sure, yeah. If you can make it that direction slowly but surely, eventually you'll <laughs> grab onto something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So good item. Thank you very much, uh, Black Magus twenty six fifty one. So I'll do it for the Dragon's Horde. Thank you, Black Magus twenty six fifty one. Once again, that was the bounce back bands by Brasiliensis. So, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to submit magic items for the Dragon Sword, if they wanted to submit questions for us to discuss, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, how would they get those to us? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com or join us on our Interparty Discord at bit.ly slash interpartydiscord. That's correct. And before we go any further, we have a giveaway to give away today. Woo. As usual, we're giving away a copy of three supplements from Crit Academy, the Warmind, the Skybreaker, and the Werecat. Three player supplements, uh, a cleric domain, a fighter archetype, and a subrace, all from Crit Academy, along with some other stuff that uh, Justin has been sending out along with those. So some great stuff in this little bundle here. So Jeff, who is the winner of this bundle of supplements today? Today's winner is TB. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes, congratulations, TB. You should be getting those in your email pretty soon. Uh, Give it a few days. If you haven't gotten it within a week, let us know. And when you do get them, be sure to leave Crit Academy a review. You can leave a review for each of these products. And the more reviews you leave, the more attention they can get, and the more feedback they can get to improve future products. So please, please, please leave them some reviews. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So big thank you to Crit Academy for facilitating this giveaway. Good job, TB. Jeff, if anybody else wants to enter this drawing and have a chance at winning these uh, these great supplements from Crit Academy, how would they enter the drawing? They can enter by sending us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with crit3 in the subject line. 
That's correct. Do you love inter-party conflict? You know, the show you're listening to right now. Then check out their Patreon at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. You can help support the show and get tons of bonus content too. Access hundreds of outtakes, dozens of short stories, periodic updates about the behind the scenes of the show, personalized media, a monthly Roll20 game run by Gabe himself, and more. Every month, green and red tier patrons get access to the bonus podcast, Interpatron Conflict, where Gabe and Jeff cover a wide variety of topics. Join right now and access the most recent episode, which might sound a little something like this. I don't even know how it started. Just at some point I started using, I started saying the phrase tether bunnies as it envisioning that we had tied the rope around our rabbit mops. And so she was just flying around, you know, swinging around well, this on the rope. Horrific. It does sound horrific. I don't know how this started in the first place. Yeah. But anyways, anyways, back to tether bunnies. Um, so at one point, the ball just completely became untied yeah. from the so rope. We had been throwing it at each other's faces for a little while. Got tired of it. Got tired of it because we were like, oh, you know, surely it's not going to hit anybody. And then I... I don't remember what we were doing. Somebody just like tossed it to the side or whatever. And then it it tore off. Yes. (laughs) So we were extremely lucky that it tore off after we were done rocketing it at each other's faces. And that was the trip where I disappeared with the ghost dogs. Yes. Once again, go to patreon.com slash interpartyconflict to help out the show and access all that bonus content today. And then just one more quick thing. Check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy. As I mentioned, they're at critacademy.com. Justin, Ian, and Austin create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. Also check out Brute Force and Ignorance. They're an actual play podcast that I believe has just come back from hiatus. Uh, Check out D&D Character Lab, where Garen and Dan made characters every week and pitted them against each other. And also check out The Kind GM, which is another advice-based podcast for Dungeon Masters. So some great stuff on this network. Go check all of those out. Enough of all the admin. Let's get into some questions, Jeff. All right. Our first question comes from Northern Vashista on Reddit, and they ask, how would you feel if somebody played the same character in multiple campaigns? Yeah. So let's imagine you're going to be running a campaign, or let's say you're even just a player. Either one. I'll I'll take both both, uh, points of view on this. And then somebody shows up. And they say, oh, you know, I have this character that I played in another campaign. I want to play that character in this campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, would you, what's your gut reaction? And then, and then like, if you like it, dislike it, what are some reasons? I guess. Sure. My gut reaction is sure. Yeah. You know, there's not, no shame in playing the same character over and over again. Like if you, if you feel that there's more that, that that character has to give as far as like, you know, playing the game, that's. There's, there's absolutely no reason for doing that. Uh, no reason. Yeah. There's, there's nothing inherently bad with that. Yeah. However, if this person is just trying to bring in like a bunch of magic items or something, right? Bring in like <laughs> content from outside of the campaign into the campaign. Sure, sure. That's where I would draw the line. I'd be like, well, yes, your yes, this character has this magical sword in that campaign, but this is a different campaign. You know, it it would be it would be up for discussion whether or not this is a continuation, you know, whether it be a prequel or sequel of this character's adventures. Sure. sure. That'd be up for discussion, but not necessarily like a you know, a for sure thing 
for me as a as a DM. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm 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 up for talking about that, but I'm not gonna say, yeah, let's 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 for sure take all the things that your character knows from this other campaign and put it into this one. Sure. Um. But uh, yeah, because like, or or it could be. Um, this character has this class that, you know, I, you know, I worked through with this other DM about, and they were cool with having all this stuff. And, but now I want this in this, uh, in this campaign, that'd be another thing that's like, oh, okay, let's discuss that a bit. Yeah. But as far as like, you know, character, like the personality and like the, you know, the flavor, the concept of the character, like the, the, you know, the flavor, at least the flavor wise, the classes and everything. Like if, if, if it's basically the same character, if you're just doing the same voice again, yeah, doesn't bother me at all. I think that's great. Like if, sure. that's, if that's the fun part for you, keep, keep doing it. Cause it's fun for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, there are, there are, yeah, there are a couple lines that need to be drawn and a few things that need to be discussed before it's uh before it's like a for sure thing though. Definitely. Um, as a concept, I have no problem with this. I'm I'm no stranger to this, as I'll get to in a minute. <laughs> but um, if a player want, let's say a player wants to play a certain archetype, there they want to play. I don't know a half orc barbarian or something, mm-hmm. and they've played a half orc barbarian before, and so they just think it would be fun to play, you know, the same half orc barbarian, same name, same personality, same whatever. I don't necessarily think you should. There's any reason that you should should shut that down as a whole. Right. I think like you were saying, Jeff, if they have ulterior motives, if it's that, well, I got this really good magic item or my character, I learned a lot about, you know, a lot of metagame stuff while playing that character. So I'm going to bring all that metagame knowledge with me or whatever. Those are things that, you know, merits further discussion at the very least. Those are reasons to say no. But like, if someone wants to play, here's here's the question: If they play Erek the Orc Barbarian, is that any different than if they make a new character that is Erek the Orc Barbarian that has the same personality and basically is the same character? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the difference? Because when I first started playing D anD D, the group I was in, the they switched up DMs. I don't think I ever. The very first group, I didn't ever DM because I, w- I wasn't a DM yet. But the players, all the other players were experienced DMs in their own right. So each of them had PCs that they would play when the others were DMing. Yeah. And one of the other players had a half-orc barbarian. His name was Erek. That's why I use that as, as an example. And that campaign went for a few months. I think eventually fell apart. But then I was playing a, another campaign with that same player he played a half orc barbarian and i don't think it was it was iraq but whatever it was it was some variation of the name that he had already used but otherwise it was the exact same character and if you tell a player no you can't play for whatever reason no you can't play that character from another campaign but they still want to they can just make that same character and just call them something different or just make it less explicit so you're not you're not really stopping anything if you just have some, I don't know, some axe to grind in regards to right this particular phenomenon. Now, like I said, I've uh, I've I've done this myself. So in that very first campaign I played in, I played as a human monk. His name was Harrop. Once I started DMing, um, I was running a game for our friends Jay and Steve, 
and I introduced Harrop as an NPC. You know, that's being generous. Really, it was a DMPC. This was before I realized. This was while I was learning the dangers of DMPCs. So don't judge me too much. But I introduced the character of Harrop, even though this was ostensibly a different world. There was then a point later in that campaign where uh, my girlfriend at the time, who uh, is not my wife, the person I dated before my wife, she had played D&D with us in the previous campaign. And she wanted to start playing with us in that campaign. So I was like, oh, yeah, just bring along your the character you had been playing. And then there was a fun little moment where her character met my character and the two of them knew each other, despite both of them being from, again, a different world. It was just a right. funny little moment in game. Now, of course, you know, DMPCs are a bad thing. I shouldn't have done that. But that concept, there's nothing wrong with that concept. As the, the For the player that I let bring a character from the previous campaign to the new campaign, there was nothing wrong with that whatsoever. If nothing else, it gave her an easier in as far as role-playing goes, as far as, you know, knowing what her character can and can't do. It was a better start than if she had had to make a whole new character, you know, just from, from scratch. Yeah. Now... I didn't do that. Now, I I did a little bit of, I had my character Ichi that I played later on. I had him show up again as an NPC, not as a DMPC. I've learned by this point. (laughs) I had Ichi show up as an NPC in other campaigns. But in that case, the justification is that he was a planar traveler. So if someone was going to show up in different campaign worlds, it's going to be a planar traveler, you know. Mm -hmm. But when we moved to Tennessee... I joined one group that I had a lot of fun playing as I, I had this character that was a Deva in because it was fourth edition at the time in fourth edition. One of the defining features of a Deva is that whenever they die, they are reincarnated as a slightly different version of themselves with some memories of their past selves. Mm-hmm. And so they had like a racial ability they could use that like kind of it gave like it gave them advantage on a particular check because you're remembering one of your past lives and so on. Sure. And so I played this character and I had a lot of fun playing this as this character, but I only played as him for a few sessions. And then that campaign fell apart. But then I was going to be in another group and I was like, you know, gosh, I really enjoyed playing as that character. Is there a way I could play that character in this new campaign? And so I I ran the idea by the DM and I explained the whole, you know, the character's whole shtick. And then I I backed it up by saying, he's a Deva. Devas reincarnate. There's no reason they couldn't reincarnate in a different world. And then, ha- again, have some of their memories of their past lives. And so the DM was, he was totally cool with it. He ran with some of the character ideas that I had. And it was a lot of fun. That similarly didn't last very long, but that gave me the idea I ever want to play this character, I have the perfect justification <laughs> for doing so in a future campaign. Sure, yeah. I don't I don't recall if I have. I think it was just the two times that I played as this character. Mm-hmm. Um Oh no, actually I played that character and that thing Justin did. Anyway, I guess th- this is just to show that like I think that with with necessary justification if it is necessary, this can be a very fun concept and it can give the dungeon master opportunities to build on that. How did this character get from that campaign world to this campaign world? Are they the same campaign world and we just don't realize it? Right. 
Um, when we did our Dawn of Worlds game for Patreon last year, mm-hmm. Dawn of Worlds, for anyone not familiar, it's a, a world building game. So I had all of our, you know, all of our red tier patrons. We got together on, on, uh, it wasn't Roll20, it was some other, it was, it was Miro. But I had our, our top tier patrons, we got together, we played this game where we all built a world together. And I was purposely, I, I had... I only had a little bit of control at the very beginning. I just kind of decided it was going to be this, this continent, but I decided that I wanted it to be just one continent of a bigger world because I liked the idea of in the future, maybe we could do this again and make one of the other continents on this world that just didn't, you know, didn't get involved the first time around. Yeah. And I would love the idea if we were to do that in the future of having some of the characters or whatever from the campaign we're playing in now show up in that campaign. So I specifically set it up that at some point during the game of Dawn of Worlds, on one of my turns, I had a ship leave the continent with some of the player races, with some of the NPCs or whatever, and go off into into the, the you know, off into the horizon with the intention that then if we did do something in the future, there would be a reason why some of these you know, some of these player races we came up with, some of them would show up in this whatever other continent that we create. Yeah. So I'm all for this. Like, if I didn't make that clear, I love this idea. Definitely there needs to be some work done. Talk to the DM. Um, but if a player wants to do it and the DM doesn't have some arbitrary reason to to shut it down, go for it. Like, that's... You're, you're, they've, the player has done most of the work for you and given you opportunities to, you know, to work in a multiverse or a bigger world or whatever. I don't know what's outside of the Forgotten Realms, what's outside of the big map of the Forgotten Realms. I'm sure some people do. Don't, you know, don't at me, I guess. But <laughs> if a player came to me and said, oh, yeah, I want my character to actually be from uh, Greyhawk, which is just, you know, a few thousand miles that direction from Faerun. Okay. Again, I don't know much about Faerun. I could work with that. At the very least, I can think about it. I can try and see how I can, you know, involve that and so on. Right. It's a great idea. Go for it. Yeah. And this is a bit of a tangent. Maybe I'll cut this out. Maybe I won't. But Jeff, have you ever heard of something called the Tommy Westfall universe? Tommy Westfall universe? No, yeah. I don't think so. So... TV shows actually do this exact thing often. Right. Very yeah. often there will be a TV show that whether it's a, a recurring character or just a cameo or whatever, a character from another show will show up on a new show. There's, I think like the, there's a character from the like law and order universe or whatever oh, that has been yeah. on like 30 different TV shows most of the time as a cameo, but yeah. the same character has been on all these different shows played by the same actor called by the same name and so on. It's like detective munch or something. Is his name? Like yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing that happens on TV a lot. Now there was a website that I came across many, many years ago. It, it does still exist. I checked recently because I talked about this on our nowhere man podcast, but There is a TV show that has gone and they have said, okay, this show has a cameo from this character from this other show, which means that those two shows 
share a universe and they draw a line between those those two shows. But that that second show also has a cameo from this other show, which then has a cameo from this other show. And then on that show, they have a brand of cigarettes that was created for this other show and so on. And so they've created this gigantic web of, I'm talking hundreds of TV shows that theoretically are all in the same universe because you can draw a line from a cameo on Arrested Development through Law and Order that then there was a, a brand of whatever that was on Lost and then Lost had a cameo from this other thing and then it goes on and eventually you're on Doctor Who and then it's connected to to Star Trek and then all sorts of things. And before you know it, every single TV show ever has been in the same universe at some point. I am looking at a map right now. Yes. Isn't <laughs> it is fantastic? Ridiculous. I don't know if this is the one you're referring to. I imagine it's, it is basically that, or, you know, Probably. I don't know how the accuracy of this particular one I'm looking at, but it's like good times is connected with Maud, which is connected to all in the family, <laughs> which is connected to the Jeffersons, which is connected yeah. to mission impossible. I believe it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is the Andy Griffith show connected to the Danny Thomas show, which is connected to the Dick Van Dyke show, which is connected to Mad About You, which is connected to Friends, which I know <laughs> okay. that. I know that. That's connected, connected to all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Carolina, which is connected to Carolina in the City, which is connected to Frasier, which is connected to Cheers, which is connected yep. to uh, Boston Legal, which is connected to Boston Public, which is connected to saint elsewhere well so yeah saint okay. elsewhere is is why it is called the tommy westfall universe yeah i was gonna say there's this like big cross in the uh this big blue yeah. cross in the map that is uh saint elsewhere and homicide life on the street is that the same thing <laughs> uh no it's a different it's a different show but i'm sure they had a lot of cameos between the two um are you at all familiar with saint elsewhere no i believe i haven't seen it myself but i believe it was like one of the first um, proceed like hospital procedural shows that had like an ensemble cast or something. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a hospital drama that had a big cast of characters that were on, you know, most, if not all episodes and so on and so on. It's, it's a very influential show. Um, but it, it's, it had a lot of cameos and that's where a lot of this starts, but spoilers for the finale of St. Elsewhere. This okay. is a show from like 40 years ago or whatever in the finale of this show. After, I think it was like five seasons or something like that, um, the hospital, which this all takes place in, St. Elsewhere Hospital, I think the hospital was like running out of money or something and was going to go out of business. And anyway, it is revealed in the final scene of the final episode that this entire show has actually been a dream. One of the characters on the show was like this autistic boy and he wakes up in the final scene of the final episode. He's like sick. He's been having fever dreams. And then his dad walks in, who in the show, I think was like one of the doctors. His dad walks into the final scene. He's like a construction worker or something. Some of the other characters walk in and they're, they've got other, you know, other professions or whatever. And you see the kid, he's been like having these fever dreams while looking into this snow globe of a hospital. Oh, right. And so he's been imagining yeah, the entire show. Yeah, yeah. I I've 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 heard this referenced. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it's been it's been referenced or or lampooned or whatever in lots of things. But I think this is why the whole Tommy Westfall, you know, Tommy Westfall, sorry. Tommy Westfall is the name of of the kid. Okay. So 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 
the yeah the the whole map is basically inside the mind of this kid yes it all started yes. because someone watched the show and they were like well wait a minute if this show is is a dream that means that this other show is a dream and then that other show is a dream and so on and so on and it went on and it is what it is today so it's just a fascinating thing but the point is tv shows do this all the time sometimes it's a big thing sometimes it is literally the point of the show yeah uh, family matters which was the show with steve urkel Family Matters started as a spinoff of the show Perfect Strangers. Harriet Winslow was a character on Perfect Strangers and her husband, Carl, the police officer. Those were recurring characters on Perfect Strangers. They then went split off and made a show about that family, which eventually kind of became the Steve Urkel show after that character was introduced several episodes in. Mm. And so sometimes it's a spinoff. And then in that case, the whole let's say it's a campaign. If the whole campaign is a spinoff about one character, that's one thing. Sometimes it's a cameo. You know, there might just be, oh, a character shows up for literally one joke and then they're gone. Sometimes it's just, you'll hear a PA system calling out for Dr. Gupta. And then it's like, oh, that's the character from that other show that was on at the same time or that show that was made by the same director or whatever. Yeah. So if you are, putting something like that, if you're letting something like this happen in your game, it is important to establish, is it a spinoff or is it a cameo? If a player shows up and then they suddenly want to make the campaign about their character and about this other story that you weren't a part of, that's a problem. Yeah. I could see that happening in the cases where I did this. Uh, when I did this as a player, I, I tried to make that not the thing. I tried to run with whatever the DM had planned. You know, I just tried to to just give, this is my backstory. Do with it what you want. If you want to change it, go for it. So I tried not to make it about me. I could definitely see a player doing this and making it about them, making it about the previous campaign that they were in, which again, you might not have been a part of. Mm -hmm. So in that case, I could definitely see that as a reason to tell the player, whoa, hold your horses Calm down. I'm sure Mr. Ed was part of the the Tommy Westfall universe somehow or another. <laughs> you know, you you can definitely use that as a reason to push back against it. You know, maybe try to scale that down. Maybe just, if you don't want to deal with it, feel free to just tell him no. But that's your reason. It's not just because you don't like it. It's because you don't want to make the, the entire campaign about this other campaign. You yeah. Know? Um, you, you would never want the players that are present to feel like they're just playing in a sequel to something they were not pl not present for. So if you can avoid that, if you can avoid making it about that player or that character, then then you'll be fine. Uh if you don't if if that's what you don't like, feel free to say no, feel free to uh you know, tweak it or whatever. But if a player shows up and they say, "Hey, I would like to play this character," Think about it. You know, I'm, I'm just urging you, think about it, see how you could use that and go from there. And players, if you do this, be open to change. Maybe this is an alternate universe version of your character. They don't have to be the exact same character, but to you, you can play them the same. You know. According to this list, Mr. Ed is part of the uh, Tommy <laughs> okay, Westfall I figured, universe. I, I couldn't find I couldn't find it on the map, but uh, yeah. but I found but I found a master list, and it and it is it is in there. Okay. I was like, it has to be, it has to be. <laughs> sure, Mr. Ed had to have had a cameo at one point or another in another show, and there, yeah. there's no way. 
So yeah, I think that's a good idea. So do it. Yeah. <laughs> do it or at least consider it. I'm not telling people to run your game however you want to run your game, but don't pass up on a cool opportunity. Yeah. Our next question comes from Soul of a Liar on Reddit, and they ask, would it be a bad idea to lie to my players about the type of campaign I plan on running in favor of a big twist? Yeah, and I do have the uh, the specific type of campaign that they were planning on running, so I can use that as an example. Sure. Um, the example that Soul of a Liar was giving was they wanted to have a campaign where starts off, you know, typical sword and sorcery, you know, whatever campaign you would expect from Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, a little ways into the campaign, the players get like caught in a time warp or something and they get kicked out like centuries in the future. And now the big bad has taken over the world and technology has advanced. So it's not necessarily all sword and sorcery. Uh, it's, you know, going to be uh, maybe sci-fi, maybe there's guns, maybe who knows what. But yeah. the idea being that they would want the players to make their characters under the assumption that there is going to be sword and sorcery, magic, fantasy, medieval, whatever, and then have the twist shortly into the campaign be that, oh, no, actually, it's kind of futuristic, dystopian, whatever. Yeah. I think a twist that big, like a shift that large, you would really have to know your players. Good you point. would have like this would have to be a group that you've been with for a long time and you know what the likes and dislikes are. Yeah. Because if you spring this on somebody that you don't know everything about them, they might go like, "Well, this is not I'm not I have no interest in this whatsoever. I'm out." Yeah. They they might just like they really like fa- fantasy, they really like, you know, they really like D&D, Lord of the Rings, all that. Hate mm-hmm. sci-fi. They just sure. hate sci-fi. They think it's just stupid and boring and whatever. They just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, I know there are people out there who just don't like, who just don't like sci-fi. You know, there are, I, I, I personally find sci-fi a lot harder to get into than fantasy. Sure. Yeah. And I, like, I, yeah, I like, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I just, it's like some people just don't like what, like prefer one genre over another. And that's just yeah. how they are. So if they go in expecting one and then you get the, and then they get the other, they might be like, well, this is not fun for me anymore. Goodbye. You know, mm-hmm. or they might, or even worse, they, they might know that that's not no longer fun for them, but not speak up and just sure, be, sure. and just be miserable for the whole time. Uh, so like it, this isn't something that you could never do, but it's yep. something that you should m- maybe make sure you know what you're doing and who you're doing it to uh, before you do it. Or maybe like you don't have to tell them exactly what the twist is, but you can say like, there's going to be a big shift here. You know, like sure. there's, yeah. there might be a big shift. So, you know, maybe don't get too attached to the ideas that you have so far or something like that. Cause I can understand being like, if you say, Hey, this is going to be fantasy, but then it's going to turn into sci-fi and this and that. Like the that person might try to like use that information to make to build their character around that idea, which you know might not be the yeah. worst thing, but it might not be what you want. Sure. Yeah. So like, I th- I think it really is a matter of how well do you know your players and how they would react to something like that. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, if you know your players well enough, you could try something like this. I, I would just say as a blanket statement, 
maybe don't do it. I guess, right? You know, in 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 certain situations, it could work, but it it might. If you're not sure, it's probably not a good idea. If you yeah. do know your players and you know that they will be on board for whatever the twist is, that's cool. I still would tell the players, hey, just be aware there is going to be a big twist, a mm-hmm. big upset that will change how you interact with the world. Because, like, here's the thing. Let's say someone makes a wizard. And then because of however you've set up this futuristic sci-fi dystopian whatever, they might find out, oh, my character is not fun to play in this environment. Mm. That happens. That happens even when players know what the campaign is going to be. That that can happen. Yeah. And that is the worst. And you never want to tell a player, sorry, you have to keep playing this character you don't like. So then you're you end up with players remaking their characters after the twist, and then it's like, well, what's the point? Why not just have them do that anyway? Yeah. Because yeah, it could be yeah, it could be they're playing a character, and yeah, it, the character becomes less effective or less fun. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, now I you know now I long, no longer want to play this character. I want to play a different character. Or I think. I don't know what feel what feels worse to me is like they really liked their character and were excited to play this character <laughs> yeah. in this environment. <laughs> that is worse. <laughs> and then you change the environment and go like, well, all right, cool. They waste like you the wasted the time on this character. Like I wasted yeah. this character. And this kind of goes this does go back to the one before where it's like this is one of the reasons why somebody would want to reuse a character okay. in a different campaign is because the campaign before went off the rails sure and sure. they were excited they were excited to play this character until That's it went great, off the rails and point. went and went crap well well i guess i'm not playing this like i guess i'm not going to get to play this character to his full potential because yeah. you know dm wanted to turn it into into star wars sure you know but so like they might go like all right on the next the next time somebody runs a campaign i'll be like is this going to stay fantasy yes all right then i'm going to play this character i've already made <laughs> like, sure like, here's the thing. I'm a writer and mm-hmm. I'm, I am also a consumer of fiction. I love me a good twist. Yeah. So I can definitely understand wanting to have a twist and wanting to have the players get to the twist without any knowledge of the twist. That being said, twists are hard to do well. Mm-hmm. And so, so often I have tried so hard to keep a twist secret to the point where nobody even cares because I have not given them enough information to enjoy the story up until they're not even engaged because I have worked so hard (laughs) to keep the twist secret. Right. (laughs) I have been guilty of that so many times. One of my biggest failings as a DM is not giving the players enough information because I have a twist planned. Right. Yep. That's I that's have been an, guilty an, of that so many times. That's an easy thing to that's an easy thing to do. Like that's an easy yeah. that's an easy error to make. Like that's I've I've definitely done that too. Like I've yeah. I've and like I've heard you talk about doing that and I've yeah. gone in knowing I shouldn't do that and I still do it. Like it's yep. Same it's here. easy to do. 
I, and yeah. not to plug my other podcast too much, but that's what Steve and I spent like a hundred hours complaining about <laughs> in this TV show, Nowhere Man, because they don't give you enough information. It's to the point where it is clear the writers don't even know what the twist is going to be. Yeah. So of course they can't give you any breadcrumbs to follow because they don't know where the breadcrumbs are supposed to lead. Right. Yeah. It's yep. frustrating. That's that is that is a problem with some like television shows, especially because like you know it's 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 a different writers. Like it's yeah. not always the same writer for the whole show, and you know they it's not always finished. You know like you know de- depending on who wrote the show and what network picked it up and things like that. Like they don't have a whole story finished. Like yeah, they like they try to make shows to run forever so that they can keep making money. You know, they don't they don't want to make a contained story. They want to make a franchise. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, like, if if you really want this twist. You do have to decide, can I make this twist work even if the players know something that there's going to be a twist coming up? Yeah, obviously, I don't I, I, I like twists, but obviously I don't want to know all of the beats of the story before we get there. So it it is a balancing act. You do have to balance. How do I give them enough information to still have some surprises, but not keep so much information from them that they that they don't care? You know. So on one hand, you you could just start and tell the players at some point this is going to switch to be sci-fi. It is probably still possible to have the twist be a big deal. Yeah. I'm sure, especially in a, a role-playing game, the players will still probably enjoy it. It probably won't be the same, but I think that the the assurance that the players are still going to be on board is much better than the surprise that w- comes along with not knowing if the players are still going to enjoy what happens when you completely change genres on them. Mm. So... I don't know if I if I don't know if I made any sense saying that just now. So I guess what I'm saying is, err in favor of giving your players more information. If you can tell the players, okay, there is going to be a big twist, the the genre of the game is going to change. Maybe you should tell them it's going to change to sci-fi. Maybe don't. Maybe drop some hints that it's going to be sci-fi. But you got to give them something. Springing something like that on the players, especially if you are if you are like. You know from the beginning that you're withholding information from them that could change how they make their characters. Like that's that can be a, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. So be open with your players. Try not to do this. If you know that the players like sci-fi and you've been playing with them for a long time, you can err on giving them less information, but still give them something. Tell them the campaign is going to shift significantly after a few adventures. Tell them something like that so that when it happens, they're not like, what is this? What, what did you just do? Is this what the campaign's going to be? If they're like, oh, this is what the DM was talking about. Okay, that's a different reaction than, okay, can we go back to playing what we were playing yeah, like how do we get how do we get back home? And then exactly. they go like, oh no, this is where you are now. <laughs> like, oh, great. Now, I would definitely, if you are whether you are telling them there's a twist or not, I guess especially if you're not telling them there's a twist, 
when the twist happens, have a session, have a, like a session, not as a session zero, because it's already after session zero, but have like a mid, a mid campaign side session where the players can remake their characters if they want to. Yeah. And in like, if it is like a shift to sci-fi, you could be like, oh, they were, you know, they, it's, it's just do some like just some sci-fi mumbo jumbo to like have them turn into something else. Oh, they mutated or whatever. They're hit with some nanovirus that changes yeah. them into whatever. Right. They get, yeah, they get a, they get injected with the, you know, uh, yeah, like nanites and, uh, they, they get some, some tech upgrade, some like, uh, yeah, they're you all know, cyborgs bio now. Bio upgrades. Yeah, they're cyborgs <laughs> now. Exactly. Everyone, Everyone's a cyborg. You get a cyborg and you get a cyborg. <laughs> right. Um. So I think I mentioned earlier that like, like one of the reasons why you wouldn't want to tell people these things is so they don't so that they don't build their character around it too much. Like they don't metagame power sure. build towards like, oh, I know, you know, like, oh, I get what's going to happen. So I'm going to I'm going to prepare for it. I'm going to over prepare for it. Sure. And make it, you know, and basically defeat, defeat it faster than is fun for everybody else. Then I thought, like. Having an ineffective character sucks. It's yes. so bad. It is so yes. unfun. It is just, it is one of the worst things that can happen in, in D&D is having an ineffective character. Agreed. Um, and if you think about like writing in shows and things like that, like even in shows where a character gets whisked away to a completely different world, you know, like they, you know, um, f- you know, Farscape, you know, yeah. like, uh, what, Crichton is his name, right? Yeah. John Crichton. John Crichton, like he was at very, he's at very least like he was a, like an astrophysicist or something. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, he's got, he had something to, to do. Like he had something to do. Like he wasn't completely lost. Mm-hmm. Like he definitely was lost, but he was not, he, he had somewhere to, to, to start from. Sure. In any of these kind of shows and movies where they get, you know, another dimension, fantasy world, you know, you know, uh, uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. They, like every everybody's got like some sort of talent or ambition or something that helps them through the, that this new place or like that makes that helps them fit in somehow. Yeah. So like it makes sense as far as a storytelling, which this is a game of collective storytelling that you know you would you would want to prepare ahead of time something that that your character can do in what in whatever the goal of the of the campaign is like whatever the setting the the final setting of the campaign is in sure this campaign is going to be all about planes hopping or something so it's like all right at first i'm only going to be a fighter that's fine but i but but there's this cool like prestige class or whatever whatever edition you're playing in that that eventually leads into you know some cool stuff that has to do with planeswalking, you know, yeah. like maybe something that the, that the player can work towards, but not necessarily, you know, start with. Sure. A long time ago, I ran, it didn't last for very long as campaigns are, are wont to do. Yep. I did run a short, a little bit of a plane hopping campaign. I'm trying to remember if I was explicit about that with the players right from the get go. I want to say I was, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, I don't know if, you know, similar thing. If the campaign is going to be about plane hopping, you you should probably let the players know because they might make a different character in that case. Yeah. 
So, right. <laughs> so just be open with your players. I know that the the twist is is a lucrative mistress. You really you really want to to yearn for that twist, and you want the players to experience that twist, and you want it to just be amazing. But that is so risky, and it is so hard to do well. Mm-hmm. That you might end up just making a crappy story that <laughs> nobody cares about. Yeah. Even if the twist was good, if they don't care, it's not going to matter. Yeah. I think I think there are twists. There are twists that are better for better suited for D anD D than others. Like okay. a big setting twist. Yeah. Is rough, but like a twist in the development of a character uh like a twist like 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 there's a twist to like the big bad evil guy oh he's actually this instead you know like it's like it's like if the twist was the big bad evil guy was from the future and from sci-fi but it like the the bad guy is the one that is out of place like that's a cool twist that is a cool twist like that's but that's not gonna like but because you're still in but because the players are still playing in the world that they expected to be in, their their characters aren't going to feel out of place. They're just going to feel challenged because this character has different knowledge than anybody else does. Okay. So, like, you know, like, they might come across a trap or something that was developed by this uh, by this evil guy who has knowledge of, you know, futuristic technology or something. So, like, they're going to be stumped by it, but that, like... They're not going to feel like cheated, I think. Okay. I guess. Yeah. So like, you know, like twists, twists that aren't, you know, like a twist that isn't going to necessarily affect everything around the player. Yeah. But, you know, they might interact with something that has a twist to it. I don't know. So, yeah, to answer the question, uh, you should, there's a way to make it work. It's possible to make it work, but don't. Don't take that. Don't take that gamble. It, yeah. that, that's probably going to bite you in the butt if you do. And if you do, yeah, uh, yeah like like with the mid session, with mm-hmm. the with the mid session zero, yeah, mid session mid session mid, zero mid campaign sessions, a session like I don't know, infinity point five or something because you <laughs> right. can't have zero. What well, no, I was thinking mid session zero sounds like a I, I don't know. It sounds like a like a crappy video game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, so like yeah a, a mid a midpoint session where mm-hmm. uh, where you go like hey do you like guys like this and they go no we want to go back and then you go all right fine and then just go back like ha- have sure, that have sure. that future setting be for one adventure yeah and then and then they go and then they find a thing to help them go back and then like think of something else i guess yeah, or that's not a bad take idea. the take the ideas you had for the future one and just put them back into the normal setting and tweak <laughs> sure. tweak a few things hey some of the future stuff came back right yeah oh sure sure yeah like you know that that i think that's a good compromise yeah that's not yeah. too bad like you could bring yeah like you guys find a way back hooray but now some of the future came back and you kind of have to deal with it a little bit but like don't have it so much to where like Everyone's got laser swords now, you know, like <laughs> you have it with like, oh, one guy found a laser sword. Sure. Okay. We got to go. We got to go deal with that one guy who found the one laser sword that happened to make its way through, you know, like, and hey, maybe you give the laser sword to one of the players. And so now they have a cool laser sword. That's, you know, <laughs> just a vorpal sword. Sure. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, good luck. Whatever whatever you do end up doing, yes, soul yes. of a liar. Yes, good luck. <laughs> Wait, soul of a liar, they've been lying this whole time. They, they're not even... That was the twist. <laughs> this was all a lie. You figured it out. Well, so that'll do it for our regular questions for today. Uh, but we do still have our social media questions. Our last social media question was, have you ever had a character lose a limb or suffer some kind of permanent injury? If so, how did it happen? Hmm. Did you have an answer, Jeff? Do you recall? Um, the only thing I can think of, uh, I had like a really big scar on one of my characters, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like it, it like it flavor wide tied into some stuff, but it didn't really change much. It was just yeah. a, it was just a scar that the character got from fighting his father on a on a rooftop or something. <laughs> sure. Uh, similarly for me, you know, just uh, some not necessarily like a loss of limb or anything, but like a, a scar or or mental scarring or something. Uh, but nothing, nothing that required different mechanics. Yeah. Um, so we we're recording this a couple days earlier than we usually do, and so we don't have very many responses. I don't know if it's because those people just have not everybody's just gotten to us, or if it's just because uh, not many people have responses to this question. I'm yeah, gonna... I mean, last few questions have been more like very more specific, I guess. Like yeah, kind of asking about yeah. specific situations. So it's you know it's. It's it's like it's it's possible just not as many people have this exact experience so sure sure so over on Facebook we just have one Sean M says no but I'd like to and then has a gif of the uh, the Black Knight from Monty Python with his arms and legs cut off trying to trying to bite at them as they walk away have at you uh, but then actually Sean uh, said actually I have my halfling fighter lost a finger thanks to an antihero ranger NPC who was stalking the party. That finger was his left-hand middle finger, which he keeps in a small jar on a leather string around his neck. Amaranth and his team need the help of the ranger for the time being, and when all is done, he plans to throw the jar at the ranger for a one-on-one showdown. Middle finger, and he <laughs> right. wears it around his neck, so he's always flipping people off. On Reddit, we don't have any. On Twitter, we don't have any. And on Discord, we just have a couple. StiltskinKupo84 says, I have a mini dungeon tucked away on the shelf that would require a voluntary loss of an arm, a leg, and possibly a fist. The finger loss would only happen in case of a bad roll. It's the only scenario like that that I have. And if you're thinking it's Saw-inspired, you'd be wrong. Closer to Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, cool. So, So, yeah, some sort of like... A situation where the only way out is to give up an arm, a leg, and or a fist. Yeah. MRV73 says, death is permanent, isn't it? With a little wink. <laughs> and uh, I actually replied, less less so than you might think <laughs> in a game like D&D. Right. Uh, and Debrasaur says, my character Kara was missing a ring finger. The, the one which once held a loyalty ring for betraying the mob. Ooh. So yeah, that's neat when it when it's like it's, it's a repercussion for something story related, you know. Mm. So yeah, th- that's all we got. Not a ton, but you know that's fine. I didn't think. I, I doubt this is a very common thing. I mean, like I said, it's it's never never happened to either of us, so I'm not really surprised. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that could like that like sounds like a cool idea, but then it becomes kind of like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, it's 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 tricky. It's tricky. Uh, so that was our last social media question. Our next social media question is probably something a bit more general. How does your gaming group handle party loot? 
Do you divide it up immediately or does someone keep track? Yeah, I I think I think usually the way it goes is yeah, one one person keeps track and then like at the end, like at the end of the this session or something we might divvy it up or at the beginning of the next session we might divvy it up. Mm-hmm. Um but then like if there are uh, like specific items that are like, "Oh, that I want that," you know, like it's sort of a like if something stands out to somebody, they might be like, "Does anybody mind if I just take that now?" you know. Sure. But then beyond that, I think it's just sort of like, "Okay, let's uh you know, we'll we'll just keep it track track down, and then the next time we get to town or before the next session or whatever, we'll just like convert it to gold pieces and yeah, pretty much and uh, divvy it up between the party. Yeah, we're pretty loosey goosey about that sort of thing, so I'm always yeah. open to if somebody has a better way to do it. You know, right? Yeah, like like a sidekick mimic that that <laughs> that that carries it all. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for our questions for today. But before we close out, let's uh, let's wind down. Let's relax. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> let's remember those who have come before us, who have given their lives that we may have a better world to live in as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. Today's funeral pyre was submitted by Dustino3377 on Reddit. Wait, is this just Dustin in a, di- in a disguise? I, I don't think he's on Reddit. And okay. th- there is actually the character in this does sound like a character Dustin would play. <laughs> uh, as the cleric and rest of the party focused on the stupid rat swarm, my barbarian alchemist gnome battled mm. the overpowered drider to his death. Mm-hmm. I saw the cleric give the GM a quick knowing smirk when I said my PC was down. I knew this was probably the last time I'd play at a convention and for RPGA. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh. Um, I feel like there's more to the story there, but uh, unfortunately, Dustino3377 did not uh, did not provide any of the subtext going on. But, uh, yeah. That sucks, I guess. Yeah. So let's raise a glass in memory of this barbarian alchemist gnome as we say, your PC isn't down, your PC is up. What? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what that means. (laughs) All right. I think that'll do it for today. Uh, So to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde or stories for the funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com, although unfortunately that still doesn't hasn't been updated since like five episodes ago because I'm still having technical issues. Uh, you can join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict. We're on Reddit. We're on our interparty Discord. We're also on Twitter at inpartyconflict. Check those out for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you want to support the show monetarily, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, will go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where you can watch us play video games. Yes. Maybe now that uh, we're both vaccinated, maybe <gasps> we can do some gaming in, in person sometime. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show. 
what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games, courtesy of Mary and Tom over at Hollenspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time... The podcast was dead the whole time. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.